Warning to idiots are leading the SCP files over the intercoms. Please cover your ears and await further instructions. Hello and welcome to Discovering SCP, the podcast where we find out what SCP is and we find out if SCP is real. Sometimes we are reading SCP and when the SCP is online, we open up the page on our web browser and we see what was written there and the words that make up the SCP. We read the SCP. For you, the listeners, and Darnell SCP and Tanani SCP are the hosts of this SCP podcast and we're going to discover SCP online on the SCP website podcast. Welcome. Actually, uh, Darnell was sick today. This is Jake Paul. What's up, guys? Timely reference. <laughs> actually, um, actually, um, Tanini is uh, also ill. I'm the special guest. Jake Paul? XIA12. Musk. Who's <laughs> Elon Musk kid? God, that is the most art name I've ever heard. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, beep, boop. That's white how you people, that's it. like white people up to three hundred percent when you name your kid that shit. <laughs> when your kid is the singularity. <laughs> Alright. So We're not welcome. here to talk about Elon Musk's kid. He has not yet been classified as an SCP. <laughs> he probably will. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if someone writes an SCP about that soon. That'd be really funny. <laughs> and maybe you should get on it before anyone else does for free clout. I don't want to... I know Elon Musk frequents the SCP wiki, so I don't want to get a lawsuit. No, he doesn't. He does, I saw him. Dude, he works like 20-hour days. He doesn't care about SCP. I, he was there, I saw him. He commented on my profile. <laughs> no, he didn't. He did. No, he didn't. He did. He said, good job. Alright, we're wasting way too much time. This is so, why are we here, Darnell? I will tell you. We're here to we're read... We're actually not... Oh, he will tell us. Never mind. Go I'm... ahead. We're here to read four articles today. You know, Read, my, check them, uh, see them, four. Four. But uh, I never said they'd all be SCP articles, did I? That's right. Yeah. We're going to read three tales today and one SCP. One SCP? Yeah. Why should be one of your SCPs again? I would never do that twice. <laughs> You've done it twice already. I, I didn't. I didn't. Have, yeah, but I didn't get away with it the first time, so that doesn't count. What? So our first tale. For, so we've not read any tales yet, actually. Wait, so, real uh, quick. Are we doing the SCP last then? Yes. Okay. So, so uh, tale. Yes. I assume you. This is so, also. As you guys know, when I came in, I knew a couple SCPs. This is the first time I've ever seen a tale. Unless any of the documents we've read count has tales, have they? They do not. Okay, so this is my. These will be my first ever tales. So tales are usually prose. They don't have to be prose. Sometimes they are like amateurs files. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean amateur? It's still prose. I mean, it instead of prose, like writing oh. prose, like professionals. Oh, this guy, this guy. So yeah, they're they're not as sort of constrained by the format as an SCP, and they sort of flesh out the universe a bit more. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's read some prose. Okay, so um... by the way, did you guys know Tanhoney's never written a tale before? I have. I have. No, you can see on my author page. You can see on my author page that I have. Then put it. Then put one in this video. I don't want to. Exactly. I could if I wanted to, I just don't. You couldn't. I could. You haven't written one. I have, I have written one. I've written many. Probably Ten. just my immortal copy-pasted. I never did that. You can't... No. I've been here for nine years, you can't do this to me. 
<laughs> Sorry, this is my podcast now, kid. No. All right, what's our first tale before we just do this all day? Our first tale is called Document Recovered from the Marianas Trench. Oh, so deep. <laughs> oh, wow, these are long. Holy yeah. shit. Hmm. Oh, man, good thing you're the one reading. <laughs> well, I was going to say he wants to read, but I guess that's sort of uh, settled the matter. <laughs> like the opposite of shotgun. <laughs> So, question, are these tales from all across time, or are these season two tales? No, this is from 2020, it says. Well, it was last edited. Oh, no, that's when it was last edited. Yeah, this is quite old. This, this tale was written by Dr. Gears in yes. 2010. Yeah, so this is uh, quite OG. As everyone knows, this is a Dr. Gears fan podcast. We only read his SCPs. When you tales. are going through series one, it is inevitable to be a Dr. <laughs> Gears fan podcast. Because there's so much <laughs> right. Dr. Gears. All right, continue. Well, you say continue, but this is me beginning. And so we can see our rating is at 1,254, which is very high for Tails. They don't get as much. Yeah, it's like yet. better than most of Tan's SCPs. Well, it's a, hmm. you can pick, you, yeah, I suppose so. Okay, so <laughs> let's get into it. <laughs> I, I, I thought well, this, this gradually transitioned into a bullying Tanini podcast. <laughs> I only do it because I love you. You're my favorite. Hmm. All right, we we really should read a tale. We're like almost ten minutes in. I bet they're loving People every have second. People already clicked off the they, podcast. No, they're loving every second. I don't believe that. <laughs> if you're loving every second, say so in the comments. All right, I guess I will start reading. Okay, I'll start reading. I'll do it then. I'll do it. Then. <laughs> Fuck, this guy's impatient. I'll just cut. I don't worry. I'll cut out all the bad bits. Wait. I need to write this down because I forget things sometimes, and I think what I heard today was important. Not to me. The time for me. Or almost anyone else alive on Earth today to make a difference has passed. But someone, somewhere, might be able to make something of this. Or at least find it helpful or something. Once I'm done, I'm going to seal it up in a pipe, coat it in wax, and chuck it into the ravine. Maybe someday, someone will read this and try to put things together. If they're allowed to. Popcorn. Oh, so now it's me? Yeah, it's the popcorn system. Have you ever done that before in school? Uh, no, but I assume you mean we swap each paragraph. <laughs> yeah, whenever you say popcorn, you swap to someone else in okay. class, but it's only us two, so. Okay, so I'd love to start at the beginning, but I'm honestly not sure when the world started to end. Could have been years and years before the final bits, or it could have been all at once. Everything was so grim, what with warmer air, cooler seas, too little <laughs> gas, too many people. Things that could have been unravelling for ages before things bubbled up, bu- bu- bubbled up to the public <laughs> eye. What? <laughs> What I and others remember most was when the Disney magic sank. It was then, I think, that most people started to think that things might be worse than they seemed, Popcorn. What? What's the Disney magic? You tell me. I'm guessing it's a boat because he talks about sinking. It was in the Marianas Trench. Oh, there we go. The Disney magic was a big cruise ship, one of those liner jobs that tools around islands and stuff. One day, the news was all screaming about how it suddenly just went down when it was trying to put put into port. The weird thing about it was how there was no video of it for a long time. Some still pictures of it floating fine, but none of it actually going down. Then, somehow, a tape showed up, and the news started playing it. I have to imagine they didn't review it first. The ship was puffing along, strong and fast, little boats bobbing around it, looking like every vacation lover's dream, when suddenly it stopped. I mean stopped, just a dead halt, like it had just slammed into a mountain. You could see people go lurching forward all over the deck, bunch of junk fell off the sides, a real mess. It's all still for a few seconds, then suddenly there's this foaming behind the ship. Most people assumed it was the engine trying to fire up again. Then the arm came up. Popcorn. 
I'm not sure if it actually was an arm, but it was some kind of limb, and it must have been a hundred feet long at least. It reached up alongside the side of the boat and just ripped it open. I mean, unzipped it like a coat. And you could see all these people inside screaming and running. It was awful. Then you saw something lurch up, a big spiny shape pushing against that gap, shoving in. Then there was an explosion on its back and the camera whipped up to show a couple of jets whizzing by. Then it ended. I remember just sitting there, stunned, looking at the TV, barely noticing the president coming on to declare a state of emergency. I think it was two or three days later when the TV went under full government control, but it may have been a week. I'm not sure. Internet got clamped later, but soon all you could hear, read or see was remain calm, everything is under control. The, the oddest thing was that life really didn't change much for a while. Bills still came, still had to work, go to school, all that. Just a lot more scared faces and a lot more weird talk. Pretty soon we were getting told that whole towns were being evacuated, that there was a plague or a riot or a terrorist bomb or some other nightmare. My brother down south said they got moved because of a huge wildfire. The weird thing was he said that the fire moved oddly, seemed to shoot right for gas or brush and it didn't travel evenly. Then after a while he swore he saw what looked like a 20-foot tall man with fire walking and eating everything. Oh lord. The call got dropped right after he said that. I, I haven't talked to him since. Popcorn. So things got worse, little by little. People kept being moved, and there was no real way to communicate with each other anymore that was really reliable. So it was hard to say just how bad things were. So wait, is this like in the modern day, or like, was this erased from everyone's memories? Perhaps we'll find out. Still, word of mouth was still going strong, and it was creepy. Crazy shit, really. Stuff about zombies in the north, killing frenzies in the east, a place near the ocean where the ground was alive and eating people, a cold screaming about the second coming and killing people to buy off God. I started pulling more and more away from people just to get some ignorant peace of mind. Looking back, that probably saved my life. Finally, one day, I woke up and there was blood on my window. It was outside, and I could hear some insane shit going down outside. Screaming, clanking, gunshots, and a smell like burning wires. I hid. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I left my fellow man to rot and hid inside for almost a full week, long after the noise stopped. This this whole tale could just be called 2020. <laughs> I was actually thinking that, yeah. <laughs> after the fifth day, the electricity and gas gave out, along with the running water. When I finally got hard up for supplies... I poked my nose out and saw that the whole west side of the world was gone. The whole west world, if you will. Now, I don't know for sure if it actually is gone. There's a cliff that starts 30 feet to the west of my house, and I cannot see the bottom of it. I also can't see the other side of this ravine, so for all intents and purposes, that part of the world is gone for me. The suburb I was in looked like a war zone. Blood and broken stuff everywhere. Houses carved up. No bodies, though, which I still think was weird. I scrounged up some food and stuff from some of the houses, then went back home. Popcorn, but real quick thoughts. What if this guy lived where the ocean is now and this ravine was the Marianas Trench? Mm. Okay, so I went back home, pop, then you popcorn, right? Uh, yes. So I've been doing that for a while now. I, I'm not sure how long, really. Might have been years and years or just a few months. It's hard to say. Sometimes the sun, the sun just sticks in one spot for what feels like days. Other times these clouds roll in and you can't see two feet. There's things around too, I run at the first noise, but I think they're about man-sized and they seem to like metal. Other little things scramble around in the rubble sometimes, so I try and keep clear. One time a thing that looked like a pill bug the size of a cat crawled out, looked at me and screamed stop in perfect English. I hid inside <laughs> for days. Kafka much? <laughs> Fuck. There are also these big blimp-like things that 
float around sometimes. They have little bug legs on their underside and they kind of look like maggots but with eyes all over. They eat everything when they land but most of the time they stay high up. One of these had just passed when I found the hurt guy. He was all ripped up and looks like one of those SWAT team guys you see on TV sometimes but his combat suit thing was all ripped to hell. I, I dragged him back home and then we talked. Uh, he said that he'd been hunting the blimp thing but he'd gotten attacked. He wouldn't say by what but he looked like he was on his last legs. I fed him some canned beans and some water and he seemed to come around a little. Asked me who I was, if I was alright and all that. He seemed kind of shocked when I said he was the first person I'd seen since the rest of the world vanished. He, he told me he wasn't gone, just relocated, but wouldn't say what that meant. Oh yeah, it is all above him. They're where the ocean is now. I helped heal him up and kept asking who he was, but he wouldn't say. Finally he said screw it, that his orders were probably no good anymore anyway and told me, Popcorn. Oh fuck. He said he worked for a foundation or something, and that they were like a combination jail and research center. He said that he was one of the agents who went around trying to find strange stuff and keep it from hurting people. I said he was doing a hell of a job so far, and he laughed pretty hard. He said something had happened, and that a bunch of these things had gotten loose at the same time, and caused this foundation place to lose control. He said it became a GH-0 dead greenhouse scenario. Is that a real scenario? Uh, yeah. What's it mean? Um, the planet is... I think it means the planet is fucked, but there's still people around, but they won't be for long. Oh, God. Wait, so th is this just a non-canon tale and the world is ending in this scenario, or is this something that recovered? Well, we'll see. There's three paragraphs left. I asked him what that meant, and he looked at me for a while before going on. He said that's what they call a situation where everybody on Earth dies, but the Earth itself is still okay and can support life. Right, so it's the exact I opposite of what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I asked, what did that matter if everybody's dead? And he smiled strangely. I asked him if anyone else on Earth was still alive, and he said yes, but carefully spread out and contained. After that, I just sort of sat and digested things for a bit, and the man started stretching and checking his cuts. He was starting to pull his boots on when I asked what happens now. Popcorn. He said that they have to reboot things. Said they have the technology to recreate almost anything, and that making people is actually pretty easy. So they would clean out and contain things, rebuild the broken cities, and repopulate them. It would take a long, long time, but he said they would eventually get things back to the way they were before. He even said they could recreate memories and stuff. I, I just sat, kind of stunned, and watched him as he kept going along, getting dressed like this was all no big deal. I, I told him he was nuts, that there was no way people could just forget that this could all just be swept away. He stopped, looked at me, smiled, then said, Why not? It's been done before. I don't know if that man was crazy or not, but I think he was sane. As he was leaving, he said something about putting my house under water. I called it! Please don't let them brush me away. Don't let them hide us. Try and find more. I know there's got to be more people who tried to leave something behind. Don't let the world die in vain. Remember <laughs> the Earth us. literally has layers. The ocean was the world before. And he said they've done this before, so maybe there's more Earth below that. Maybe. More old civilization. Maybe Pompeii's an example of this. Yeah. This is... So, on one hand, this is a really good prose. Um, yeah. I really like the story. It kind of, it's very surreal, very dark, very interesting. Um, I said very a lot. I wish I could get better modifiers. Jesus. Um, it's really good. Well written. I, I like where it went. It kind of had a somber tone and it kept you in, interested. Um, so, standalone, I want to give this tale a 9 out of 10. Very good. Right. But one issue it has, and granted... This isn't an issue because we know that this is just prose. It's non-canon. I know that. Mm. But if this was canon, I think it would really ruin SCP for me. Because, you know, there's so many SCP that are a big deal to contain because it could destroy the world. But it's like, 
this implies, oh, it doesn't matter. We can always come back and restart the world. So there aren't really any big threats to humanity. Right. Because, so, which I'm glad this is not necessarily can because otherwise it would just kind of ruin the appeal for me. Right, yeah. Um, so, no matter what happens, nothing really matters. It feels like, um... Oh, oh you're breaking up a little mind. bit. Uh, sorry, am I good now? Uh, no. Let me disconnect and reconnect. Oh, right, you're better now. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah. Otherwise, um... Really interesting pros, and I like our popcorn system just whenever we get tired switching off. Yeah. Uh, what do you have next for me? Right, so uh, our next one is called Revised Entry. And this is actually not pros, this one. This one is... Actually, it's a little bit of pros, but it's mostly sort of file. Okay, so it's like meant to be canon. Mm, it's sort of an alternate universe thing. Oh, uh, like SCP-5000? A... Well, how do you know this? You've not read it. I haven't read it, but I know you told me it was an alternate universe right, right. when I asked you for a very basic idea. Yes, yeah, so this, this one... This is an SCP, it says. Oh, it's a revised entry. Oh, of Peanuts! Yeah, so this is by Full Hazard. And this was, right, so this again, in 2010. Um, it's a possible timeline. You don't have to take it as canon. You, there's no not really much that's firm canon in SCP. You sort of take what you like, basically. This was written by Full Hazard in 2010. Yeah. Okay, so um, I'll begin. So, item number SCP-173, object class Euclid. Special containment procedures. Item SCP-173, protect from locked container at all times. When personnel must enter its container, no fewer than three may enter at any time, and the doors be relocked behind them. At all times, two persons must maintain direct eye contact with 173 until all personnel is vacated and relocked the container. Description. Mid to site 19, 1993. Origin is other unknowns, constructed from concrete and rebar, traces of crayon brand spray paint. SCP-173 is animate and extremely hostile. The object... must be cleaned by bi-weekly basis so that is just the same as the original yeah I, I didn't react at all because we already yeah. did that in episode one yeah so that was filler that was podcast filler yeah thanks for that tan you should have just skipped it <laughs> well we already had those two minutes at the start we need more filler than that we've got to get those minutes did we already spent like 10 minutes just dicking around okay so all right so how are we going to read stop. this it's not the script no, oh me uh i'll you I think we should. One person should read it because it's not long enough to be worth going back and forth on that. Okay, then you take the wheel. Okay. What the fuck are you looking at, John Avery, presently known as D five three three, D five nine three three? Yes. Showered at the other D class in the cell. SCP one seven three. What the fuck are you looking at? Came the reply. This worried John as he was staring intently at SCP one seven three, and the other D class was standing behind John, facing the other direction. Then John heard the worst sound any human being has ever heard. A sneeze coming from six inches behind his head. For, no. a, for a second, John remembered an episode of Mythbusters he had seen before being arrested before coming here, where they tested to see if someone could sneeze with his eyes open. He never saw the end. There was a sick, wet thud, a horrible ripping sound, and a scream that ended too quickly. Fuck! John managed to get out. Ooh, interesting. So... SCP-173 Addendum 1. This is not in the original article. Wait, I'm going to assume, based on what that just described, that there's two of them now? So, on blank, SCP-173 appeared to multiply, producing two identical copies. Two D-Class personnel were killed. It is unknown how this process occurred. Each instance of SCP-173, now labelled 173-1 and 2, is to be moved to individual cells, each following original containment procedures. Called it! Yeah. And then we have Addendum 2. On blank, a second multiplication event occurred. SCP-173-1-4, through 
That's be each contained as per original containment procedures. Objects reclassed as Keta. Or Keta. Yeah. So, I, 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 I've gone I, ten episodes without getting it wrong. Here's, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm thinking. Right. Right. Uh, I have a feeling I know where this is going to go. They're going to keep multiplying to the point they can't handle it anymore. Right. Um, I think when something like this happens, it's time to neutralize the SCP. Because you told me before, you could just gun it down while staring at it, and you could probably kill it. I think now's the time to do that so there's zero left to reproduce. Right, okay. So, I know I said that. I don't know if that's true, but... <laughs> right. So I mean, I'm sure it's killable. Yeah, addendum free. Security breach occurred on blank. Assuming a simple geometric progression, at least 61 copies of 173 are as of now unaccounted for. It is unknown how they replicated so fast or how they replicate at all. Video evidence of the containment breach shows multiple instances of 173 working in unison across multiple cells to achieve the breach. Most of the instances still in captivity appear to have formed a rear guard, blocking Foundation agents from pursuing other instances. It is theorised that 173 has a hive intelligence, where intelligence scales with number of nearby copies. See revised security procedures for containing 173 copies. And here's our revised special containment procedures. There we are. So, all copies of 173 are to be contained in form-fitting metal containers and sent using SCP blank to the... So na- basically Iron Maidens. Yeah, to the now-abandoned Foundation facility on the moon. That's the, send them to the fucking moon. Just kill them at this point. Well, I guess it's too late now. They have to be fitted with tracking collars that will detect if any of them leave the moon. How would they do that? Also, Jump. how would you get it to the moon? Job. Well, they use SCP blank, it says. Oh, of course. So SCP blank is a very useful SCP. It can do whatever the plot needs it to. Yeah, basically. I've done it myself, so I can't even make fun. Yeah, I love. I just wish they used more digits than three because I can go through SCP 001 to 999 and prove. <laughs> one of them did it. That's canon. One of them did it. Yeah. One of them, if you use it the right way, sends you to the moon, I guess. Yeah. 999. Probably Cassie, to be honest. That's a power. Yeah, Cassie. <laughs> That's why the 05 counts. I love her so much. So, yeah. Addendum 4. SCP 173 has caused a breach of secrecy for the SCP Foundation. I love secrecy. Yeah. Estimates at this time are roughly 500,000 civilian deaths across North America in the last 48 hours due to 173, and hundreds of thousands of sightings and pieces of video evidence. Dude, hot, cringy take. Uh, corona isn't real. It's just this this story happened, and that's the cover-up. Ooh, edgy. Very edgy. Major television news programs have obtained foot video of 173 and are providing instructions for avoiding instant death. That'd be so fucking weird. I love how many doctors have been crossed Dr. Phillips, no. Matthews, no. Clef, no. Gears, no. No, Gears! Gears and Clef died? No, Kondraki, no. Bright is in charge of the containment. We'll get to Dr. Bright another day. Is he still, is he cool too? He's pretty cool. How many doctors are like super epic style? Uh, a few. I, I mean, I guess Gears is just like a well-known doctor, but isn't Clef like? Wasn't he the one in that six eight two trial that like bombed his way out? He was. Yes, that was him. Yeah. We'll have to. Have, right. I think we'll probably have to have individual episodes for them because there's a lot of lore. Addendum five. Addendum five. SCP one seven three has besieged and destroyed four Foundation facilities near simultaneously in the last twenty four hours. Each instance shows the characteristic strength exhibited in the original, and thousands working in unison are capable of ripping open concrete bunkers and compromising foot-fixed steel doors. Research is ongoing to find a way to combat this threat. You know what I'm wondering? 
This might finally be able to destroy 682. That would really make this story. <laughs> that would be the, like, it's hopeless as if they finally killed 682. That should have been written in here, I think. So, um, actually, we have a personal log from Dr. Bright here, and we'll get a bit of a teaser for what he's all about here. The okay. is blank, so... I've been killed 37 times in the last week. Oh, so he, he's re-zero power? <laughs> they can smell me somehow, regardless of what body I'm in. The majority oh, so he's a ghost. The majority dishes under the remaining O5s is that this is an XK, and they're going to deal with the problem, or the Russians are. They're eva evacuating this base, which means there won't be a single Foundation scientist anywhere in the New World. They say they're going to try to evacuate the surviving civilians, but I doubt it. There can't be more than a couple hundred people in all of North America. The only good news is about 150 of the bastards teamed up and ripped SCP-682 yes! apart. Brought a smile to my face. I called it! Peanut funny! <laughs> Finally, he was defeated. So, revised special containment procedures. It would have been fun. It would have also been interesting, though, if 682 was what saved everyone. Should we clap? <laughs> I don't know. Can... I... He's dead. No, <laughs> not that kind of a situation still. All then. you need is an SCP that can... Oh, I'm sorry, were you reading? No, no. I was going to say, all you need is an SCP that can clone things, and then clone 173, and this could be canon. So, Containment Zone X1, formerly Orphan South America, is to be denied access. Following saturation nuclear bombing on blank, number of 173 instances has been reduced. All available Foundation resources are be redirected to monitoring the ocean to ensure the integrity of Containment Zone X-1. Foundation adjuncts from National Navies are to perform around-the-clock patrols and sonar sweeps. Detected instances will be contained and removed to SCP blank for transport to the Lunar Containment Site. SCP-173 Addendum 6. Verified sighting of 173 in blank Wales, United Kingdom. Nuclear bombardment authorised and executed. No survivors. Damn. So it's a happy tale. No, it's a sad tale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we it's it pretty clear that we're fucked. Well, I think they authorized nukes, so I think the implication is people will live, but nobody in the, the new world, which is North America, South America, and England, got bombed. So, I guess only Asia, uh, Europe, the part that wasn't in England, and. Hmm. Australia. I imagine though, if one of them, because the super fast when you're not looking, they're gonna get to the other places. Wait a minute, continents: North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Australia. I know Antarctica is one. What's the seventh continent? Uh... Africa. Africa. Yeah, <laughs> the biggest one. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a sad tale. I did like the 682 dying. I'm glad that some people have the balls to write that 682 can be killed, even if it's just in a tale. Yeah. He can only be killed in alternate universes. That's his power. <laughs> Does he die in SCP-5000? Uh, no. Oh, thanks. He's a good guy in 5000. He's like the, he's like the hero that bursts through the time portal. He's like, I've come to save you. No one kills mankind but me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that what happens in 5000? No. <laughs> it's like Terminator 2. <laughs> it's like, get down! <laughs> I'm reloading! <laughs> oh, man. It's like, the, it's like 999's coming down one side, the whole way 682's coming down the other. Yeah, 999 with like the two katanas on its back and 682 on two legs with a Gatling gun. <laughs> 682's like, get down! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, what's next? So, our next one is called Clockwork Time. 
someone please make that tale happen. Uh, a friendly 682 alternate universe where he helps capture and kill di- threats to mankind. So this tier, this te- tier, tale is called Clockwork Time and it is by Dr. Gears. That's why I, I have Dr. Tears, I would say, for some reason. Wow, you, wow, Dr. Gears again. Oh my god, it's so long. Don't worry, we'll popcorn it. Oh, yay. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, this was written in 2012, so the world should have ended. Yeah, but... this is what did it. Alright, how do you say that name? The Fabergé? Yeah, the Fabergé bastard was raging. Tools flew, doors slammed, the walls and floorboards rattled. Through it all, he lost a stream of profanity, so acid it threatened to peel the already faded paint. Rejected. Him. Him! Uh, <laughs> me when a girl doesn't want to go out with me. <laughs> uh, to the most prestigious jewelers in the world, makers of wonder as only seen in dreams, tossed out like some beggar at the gate. What's more, it is done by some pathetic, overpuffed lackwit of a servant, his offering never even reaching the edge of the Tsar's gaze. What the fuck is the sentence? He threw a hammer hard enough to lodge it in a wall, fuming and drooling with vitriolic rage. His egg, a perfect representative of Koichi. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's our prime audience, I guess. It's a JoJo podcast now, so I won't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only reference we're getting. So his egg, a perfect representation of the legendary Fabergé egg, presented to the young princes and princesses, lay shattered in a fine dust around the floor. It had taken him nearly a full year to create, at no small cost to his personal finances, relationships, and nerves. I'm getting okay, so he made a really expensive jewel, and the girl didn't want to marry him. Well, the, the Tsar didn't want to. <laughs> Hang out with him, I guess. This is so sad. Glittering and gilded, inscribed around every inch, what miniature scenes and tales of Baba Yaga and Koshoi the Deathless, the cold eyes of Clear Diamond, the fearful children of Soft Pearl. I'm getting into so this. this. In Russia, based I, on those. Yeah, I can sympathize with this man. I'm getting angry on his behalf. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what happened, but well, I'm getting, he's mad. I'm, I'm mad. Behind a tiny hidden why, why, catch, what happened? I don't know. Behind a tiny hidden catch in the painting of the chicken-footed home of Baba Yaga, there opened a tiny clockwork pageant of horror. As the tiny, delicate door swung open, the battle between hero and villain unwound. The bright, clear-faced lad battling the internally owned cochet, gruesome but just a thing for a bloody-minded boy, as the youngest prince was well known to be. All this dashed to splinters because some worthless advisor was offended and would not have it upsetting the delicate sensibilities of the young lord. Pigeon-hearted swine. He'd have the audacity to have the guard escort him none too softly outside the gate. Uh, so he made a really, really elaborate thing and it got rejected because it was too, too edgy. Yeah. Popcorn. His rage ebbed, heart, head throbbing as he slouched against the wall. The workshop slash living quarters was in, was in shambles, only the highest shelves remaining somewhat untouched. He panted, starting to quietly sob, looking down at his worthless hands. It was his best work, and he knew he'd never make its equal again! His eyes rolled to the rafters, absently seeking out the stoutest, the most likely to bear his weight. Suddenly, his eyes settled on the clockwork rose, resting in the high corner. With a twist, it would open, then fold in on itself to become a chirping bird. He stared, eyes red-rimmed and feverish, as an idea started to slowly writhe. He stood, taking down the rose, winding it, and watching the ballet of change. It was always the change that amused, the secret unfolding. 
with the eggs, the outside was almost ignored in the hunt of the secret inside. Secrets change! He slowly smiled, a unwholesome expression on his gaunt, grim face. He would build them a wonder the likes of which the world had never seen and would never see again. He would create a treasure that would be kept and passed down ages after the czars were dead, gone, and forgotten. He started with smashed clocks. Crawling from workshops and rubbish heaps, he gathered every toy, tool, or clock he could find with so much as a cog in it. His workshop filled quickly with stacks and stacks of gear. Yeah, this was the Dr. Gears. (laughs) Stacks and stacks of gears, belts, flywheels, and springs, all ordered and stacked to the rafters. His blueprints grew as well, from two sheets to five, then eight, then twenty. Soon he'd taken the charting outlines on the walls, scribbling notations on the floor of the narrow walkways through the gears. What few friends he'd had started to talk. He'd grown impossibly more gaunt and haggard, his eyes feverish and driven, and seldom spoke above a mumble. The few who stopped to check on him could barely squeeze in his door and were quickly choked by the smell of oil and rust. His already limited output of jewelry and clockworks stopped completely, along with his income. He took to selling furniture, clothes, anything that could buy the little food he needed. Whispers of possession and dark arts started to follow him. Popcorn. The shunning was nothing new to him, and away was almost welcome. He had a suspicion of those who were too nice, too open, and the constant nagging drain of interaction slowed down the work. Oh, buddy, I feel that. Work is capitalized. Yeah, the work. (laughs) Since discarding the frivolity of sleep, he'd gained even more time to devote to the work. The petty whining of his neighbours over the night noise silenced by his grim stir. Wait a minute. Can I make a prediction? Yeah. Did he create... Is this going to be the, the SCP that like has the very fine setting and all that? We'll have to see, won't we? The yeah, assemblies so. started to take shape. The millions of parts started to move from pile to the growing mass that took up most of his small room. He drowsed in its silent hearts, as close to sleep as he'd been in weeks, and listened to the phantom ticking of the coming birth. What the fuck? <laughs> he poured all that he had, all that he was, into the work. He spoke to it, cajoling, cursing, whispering, shouting. He lost flesh to slipped bolts and suddenly engaged cogs. He poured blood and pus over chisels, oars and screwdrivers <sighs> as his hands split, blistered, healed and split again. He asked the master's <sighs> opinion on its slowly forming wind- wind- wooden skin. Should this window go here, or perhaps a tower? A rabbit or a rat behind this tree? The first time it started, the clanking and rattling causing dust to pour from the roof, he embraced and kissed the wood and metal horror with more passion than he had ever shown a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, it was ready. So large, he would have to batter down a wall. So heavy, it would take 30 stout men to hoist it out. He touched it with all the delicacy and adoration of a father touching the tiny fingers of his new child. It had gone beyond a simple gift and offering to the mighty. It was all he had never known. Lover, child, mother. He had wrung out all that his pinched soul had to this beautiful, terrible creation. What the fuck is it? The Game Boy? (laughs) (laughs) The parade was a grand affair. Oh, wait, sorry, you didn't popcorn. The parade was a grand affair, if boring. In the five years since a gaunt, grim man was turned away carrying an ornamental egg, the Tsar and his family had changed very little. Perhaps a little more fat on the lord and lady, a little more firmness of feature to the princes, and some suggestive curves to the princess, but otherwise an identical portrait. Mm-hmm. Even the birthday parade had the same tired floats, the same gilded carriages. When the procession came to a road blocked by a massive shape and an emaciated horror, 
the princess actually had to be nudged awake from a light doze, Popcorn. Okay. The mad Fabergé stood before a hill covered in grimy tarps. He had not spent the years in idle suspension. His limbs were as thin as a scarecrow, muscles like thin cables writhing beneath. His head was a pinched skull with some expression, and his smile nearly sent the queen into a swoon. I thought swoon was a good term. It just some a general action, I guess. Oh. He's like, oh, boy. Tattered clothes hung from him like a sack, puffing and swaying as he made a low bow. His voice was a brittle, harsh rasp as he spoke. My lord, may I present on this glorious day my gift? He's gone hollow. <laughs> the tarps fell away and the whole square lost its breath. A fairy tale kingdom had sprouted in the center of the street, so it's like a recreation of the kingdom. Around the base were small trees and shrubs, thick with cavorting fairies and goblins. Tiny brooks and lakes held glittering mermaids and smiling fish. Deeper, a tiny gnome village rested against a high Lilliputian mountain range. The men frozen in work and play. Songbirds and dragons nestled in the high places and dark, suggestive shapes lurked in caves and burrows. All this paled, however, to the castle. With spires rising nearly twenty feet in the air, it shone like a vision of another world. Two large, stout gates stood open, armored knights guarding the way in plumed helms. Balconies held ladies of unearthly beauty, oh. their suitors bent to a knee in devotion, or shielding them from horrors spawned from the darkest dreams of man. Grand balls and feasts were frozen in the inner halls, and a king with a visage radiating power presided over a trial. The moat swarmed with beasts, and every pinnacle played roost to all manner of wings. Speech was impossible. Every inch glittered and shone with gems and gilding. Crystals radiated rainbows along every surface. Pearl and gold shimmered like a dream. The creator stooped to an alleyway and drew forth a mangy dog, gently jostling it up the shimmering walkway of silver to the left castle gateway. He closed it, then stepped over to a fairy ring of silver mushrooms. In it were arranged tiny statues, and he lifted one up, fitting it into a small stone altar above the ring. He then slotted a polished brass key into a slot below the stone, and twisted popcorn. Suddenly the kingdom came to life. The whole square, until now struck dumb, almost screamed with delight. The fish <laughs> swam, the birds sang. This is like when we released an episode of Discovering SCP. Yeah, pretty much! <laughs> The knights marched, the gnomes dug. Everywhere was movement, sound, light. The trees swayed, the dragons brooded. From the dungeon depths came a small, chilling moan. All right, so small complaint with this SCP. Yeah. It makes sense now because they're unveiling the creation, but this also was like every paragraph so far. As chilling and interesting as the story is, it spends a little too much time on description. Like, this makes sense because it's the grand reveal and they're really like trying to edge in all the details. But like even the first few paragraphs, it was a lot of adjectives and description with not a lot of content so the king held court pronouncing judgment as the czar and his family clapped and watched in pleasure the mm. world suddenly froze again and the scarecrow man opened the left gateway to reveal it's empty what became of the dog he smiled oh. wickedly then opened the right gateway releasing a sudden burst of tiny pure white doves man and machine were bundled back to the palace with all haste his repellent, almost demonic appearance was almost immediately forgotten in the wash of this new amusement. Wait, are they saying people, like, entered this machine? What do you mean? 
Well, it said man and machine were bundled back. Well, he's the man, that's the machine. They, oh, okay, I gotcha. So. A ballroom was cleared, walls raised and rebuilt to admit the massive piece. Items were found, placed and reborn. Wonders beyond imagination were born from the most base objects. Glittering threads from a stone. A clockwork kitten from an old clock. A wobbling jelly that could not be punctured or torn, no matter how abused, from a simple ceramic jug. So, this sounds familiar, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it doesn't. Well, you put something in it, it comes out nice. I... Hello? Oh my god! You cut out completely there, I didn't get any of that. Hello, did you can you hear me? Yeah. I was I I called it. So this isn't a miniature kingdom. He's putting things from the kingdom in and turning them into new things. Hmm. And this was written by Gears or a Gears fanboy? Uh, by Gears. So this could be argued as canon. It could be, yes. Oh fuck. Okay. So the young prince had to be stopped twice carrying one of the royal cats. Things entered through one gate and left the other, and never again could they be returned to their former shape. Still, a canary was sacrificed to the cause and emerged a peacock in perfect miniature. The Tsar was delighted beyond words and embraced, embraced the reeking, horrid wreck of the device's creator like a brother. Dinners were planned, rooms were made ready, and in the black heart of the bastard Fabergé there stirred the alien feelings of true, honest joy. So, fa this this... This would be a good ending, but something tells me now that's in foundation hands that this is going to be a sad story. Popcorn. Or Fabergé. <laughs> oh, oh, you popcorn, sorry. Yeah. It was in the dim of the night that two small forms slipped into the ballroom. One in nightshirt, the other a soft white nightgown. The two forms stole silently through the dark up to the fairy tale castle. The nightshirted figure, the young prince, whispered and pinched, prodding the princess up to the gate of the castle. He had whispered wicked things in her ear in the night, and threatened to reveal two unpleasant secrets to their parents if she did not accompany him and do as he said. He was not a truly wicked boy, no more so than any young boy is. The same impulse that made him put frogs in his sister's toy box, chase her about with snakes, and kick her shins at dinner, also drove him to see what would happen to her in the- Oh no, so this thing used to look like a castle? <laughs> yeah. The princess pleaded at the gate, begging her brother in a whisper to let her go back to bed. He pushed harder, sneering as he threatened to tell their father the true way his favorite clothes had been ruined. That's what she's going to be horribly... Oh, something's going to happen to her because of that. Oh, Jesus. She paled, shivered, and silently went into the gate, tears rolling in cold silence. He pulled shut the gate, his little daemon heart dancing with naughty glee. <laughs> when, I, when I start recording the podcast. <laughs> yeah, this, this, is, this reads like something you writ, bro. <laughs> He hopped to the ring, selecting the frog with a barely suppressed giggle. Oh, I'm guessing frog is, like, ugly or crude. I, I, I guess so, yeah. It's a bit more metaphorical, yeah. It was a lot more uh, <laughs> fancied up at this time, I guess. Yeah. As he turned the key, he settled accounts for many of his sisters tattling, her clever remarks and finger-pointing. As the castle sang and clanked, the prince grew afraid. If someone should wake up, he'd be blamed for sure. He started working up a hazy lie as the figures danced, practicing a half-asleep blink and a story of being woken up just moments before the first to arrive. He was still practicing when the castle stopped and he opened the other gate. So it used to be in one gate out the other. Yeah. And there was decorations around it. Oh, God. The screaming awoke the Tsar and his wife first, even with their room so far from the ballroom. In the way of parents, they seemed to know without question their children were in danger. They passed servants and drowsy footmen, the Tsar, grim-faced ghosts in pale robes. He burst into the ballroom, servants quick on his heels, the door clack 
cracking the plaster behind it with the force. The young prince was curled at a short pace from the castle, sobbing and chibbering, shuddering as if with great cold. As the Tsar went to his young son, he heard a sound from the castle. He looked, and his son was forgotten. Popcorn. Hell had been born in the fairy wood. A blubbering, writhing mass worked to push through the trees. Hard nibs of what looked like teeth scraping as it crawled. They need to cork those nibs. <laughs> Oozing pools that might have been eyes drooled hissing pus, the bloating, wound-like mouth working in soft horror. The soggy, dripping paws pulled and plucked at the shining ground, tubes and strings waving along the heaving back. It squealed at the assembled men and women, the tatters of the princess's nightgown still hanging, trapped in the folds of its flesh. The little tiara sunken near the hollow pit of a noise. Oh, I'm just imagining it as like a blobfish. Oh. The servants were dumbstruck, frozen by fear, not even staring as that, as the the, not even staring a, as the Tsar's wife swooned and hit the floor with a heavy foot. The Tsar rose slowly, too shocked to be afraid, and went to comfort his daughter. The princess took hours to die. Her room was sealed, the doorway plastered over, the body within too twisted and misshapen to bury. The young prince was broken, a mindless shell. His ability to speak decayed over several months, finally little more than a shambling ghost left to stir for hours at windows and walls. The Tsar fared little better. He wandered, staring at his throne at times as if he had no idea where it was, suddenly prone to fits of sobs or acidic rage. The public was told little to nothing, the servants' intendants that hellish night threatened from death for the merest breath of the truth. The mad Fabergé fared worst of all besides the princess. He was bundled from his bed by six guards, a bag frozen over, thrown over his head and an armoured fist in his belly. He was dumped in a cold cellar and left, bound and bagged for a full day. Soiled and exhausted, he was drawn up and the bag removed, only to face the haggard, manic stir of the Tsar. The mad Fabergé hardly had time to speak, and when the Tsar's fist shattered his already cracked teeth and sent them lacerating into his tongue, it was impossible anyway. Oh god. He beat him off and on for nearly two days, finally had the man's fingerless palms hacked off, his remaining eye gouged out, and locked him in the deepest, blackest... You only had one tonight. eye? I guess so. Fuck. Popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> the fairy palace was removed. For all the Tsar's wrath, he could not simply destroy it. The very sight of it overwhelmed him. The mention of it enough to give him shudders and migraines. It was shifted painfully along to a basement in a disused wing of the palace and forgotten. Over time, the gilding was peeled and the gems worked free. The statues stolen. Years came and went, the now bare wooden shell slowly warping and splitting with age and season. Oh, so that's how we got to what was left. Mm -hmm. It was moved, then moved again, finally coming to rest in a vacation home of the royalty. Buried alongside other unknown and uncared for treasures. A legend arose around the wooden forest and castle. The great grandchildren of the now long dead Tsar scared each other with stories about it, daring each other to slip into the dank dark storeroom and touch it. An ancient crumbling butler finally spilled an age faded copy of the story, and a lish scandal rolled through the bars and boarding houses for, ha for days. So, wait, how did the frog and all that get changed to the words like crude and whatnot? Maybe it was like written behind them and they fell off or something. Maybe. However, other concerns took precedence, and during some uprising or another, the Summer Palace was burned to the foundation. Along with it went many great... I got confused for a second, because <laughs> I was thinking SCP Foundation. I was like, wait, what? Burned by the foundation? Uh, along with it went many great works of art, and the twisted, warped shell of the wooden palace and forest. As the embers cooled above it, buried deep in the rubble, the ancient 
ancient charred clockworks lay unnoticed and unknown. So this is interesting to me because uh, they mentioned in the original article that um, it could already be broken to an extent and we wouldn't even know. Hmm. So maybe it used to be even more uh, wondrous in function and then some parts of it were destroyed or something. Yeah, I can see that. The scholar discovered the clockworks in a book. The forgotten diaries of a servant left to rot in the university archives, acquired as part of a lot from a state sale. He never doubted the truth of it, even when he presented his proposal to the derision of the faculty. I love how it's changed now. It went from being all fanciful and, like, medieval ages to, like, much more modern writing, very documentational. That's a terrible word. Much more, like, written in a document. Yeah. Uh, He pulled his own funds, tapped other resources of varying levels of legality, and set out to find it. After eight weeks of searching and excavation, the scholar stood, reeking and filthy over the unearthed sorrow of Azar. Two more weeks were devoted to the planning of a transport. The device was impossible to disassemble, and the scholar would not risk any more damage than the device had already taken. It was lifted whole cloth from the pit, boxed and padded lovingly, and flown back to the scholar's home at a maximum of expense. There, two rooms were gutted and hollowed out, and the monstrous metal hulk was shifted into place. Popcorn. For weeks, the scholar pried and probed at the massive clockwork, but could divide nothing. Tentative, safe experiments soon gave way to more dramatic and less well-reasoned theories. Even as they had a large panel fitted over the long-destroyed one, with much more simple and direct notations on it. There's our explanation, I guess. Yeah. His classwork and other research projects suffered and were ignored. He became more and more prone to rambling and outbursts of disjointed theories, always mumbling, I've almost got it cracked. Others drew away from him, as if he carried a plague they could catch. This is interesting, too, because it's implying that... Because Fabergé kind of became a husk working on this, so maybe, like, everyone who who becomes obsessed with it uh, also, you know, sort of kind of puts their life into it. Yeah. Which is, might be another interesting way to look at why you have to apply to work on this, so you don't become obsessed with it. They test you psychologically and stuff. Right, yeah. Others drew away from him as if he carried a plague they could catch. The scholar ignored his shunning, the letters for promising first reprimands, then eventually dismissal. Always, always the next turn of the key would give the last shard of the puzzle and cement his place in history. Always the next one, the next vase, the next dog, the next fabric. The next one would finally reveal the pattern. And if not that, then the one after. Or the next one, surely. He wasted away, eaten from the inside by first obsession, then rage. He would force the reason from the hunk of metal. It would repay all the pain he had poured out for it one way or another the police found him also most by accident three ladies of the evening had vanished over the last week and two patrolmen were making rounds of little hope or interest the door swung open silently under their knock the silence inside drawing them in guns drawn they found him in the kitchen hanging from a stout rope pinned to his chest was a note I have touched the hand of God and found it the same as the fiend hell is all around us Forgive what I have done, popcorn. That is actually kind of fire. I want that. I want that tatted on my chest. <laughs> okay, popcorn. Sorry, I thought it sounded funnier in my head. <clears throat> the two patrolmen swept the house as they called back for help, expecting little but the boredom and numb regret of any suicide process. Nobody knows what exactly it was that was found in the basement. Only one of the officers came back up, and he never spoke again during his short remaining years. Whatever it was left masses of strange, swooping scars over his face and left his bones as brittle as glass. The other police who responded said the house was already burning when they arrived, surely the result of an electrical outage or a stove left on by a distraught suicide victim. 
The moaning and bubbling wailing that seemed to rock from the base of the fire was, without a doubt, simply escaping gas or warping metal. They didn't know what to make of the massive charred clockworks once the rubble was cleared. When the men from the government came, they were all too relieved to turn it over to them. It may have been that relief that caused them not to look at the ID cards too long or follow up the case too closely. The story faded as well. Just another tragic fire from a victim of professional stress. The Foundation was most pleased, all the more so with the knowledge that they'd swooped the item mere hours ahead of Marshall, Carter, and Dark, whoever the fuck those are. Yeah, we'll get to that another day. <laughs> now they sit, poking and prodding in careful, controlled isolation, musing at this wonder of madness. More and more they learn, and as they do, the less they understand. They slip into confusion and anger slower, the madness spreading evenly over many, but still they slip. They push and prod, trying to force meaning on insanity, trying to divine the secrets of the universe from a child's toy. That is awesome. 10 out of 10. That was really good. I do have issues with it, but I think just having a few issues isn't enough to knock the score down. That was brilliantly written. An amazing journey. I am absolutely floored, Dr. Gears, by the talent you've displayed. Um, and especially what makes this interesting to me is, at least from the SCPs we've written, yours tend to be very mechanical, very process-oriented. So to see you write prose that's more on the descriptive end, more subjective, more story-driven, it's it's amazing. Honestly, I'm really impressed with his work as a writer. Mm. And count yeah, me as much fanboy as Tanhoney is. Very brilliant. I Wow. That's... I know you said, like, tales are canon in some people's heads. Usually I was just going to assume they're all non-canon, but this is fucking canon in my head. Yeah, if you like it, it's canon, basically. Yeah, that's fucking canon. Uh, also, it's only been edited two times, which is probably why there was that typo with the two thes. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm, not so. I'm not touching it. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. You should edit it. Leave your mark on history by fixing a little a tiny problem. Maybe I will. Okay, so... Yeah, uh... sure. Now, this is going to make me look bad, but the final one we're looking at today is, um, well, it's actually uh, from Series 1, sort of. It is SCP-001. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know how much you know about how SCP-001 works. I don't remember if I've explained this previously. Oh, wait. Time out. This was, this was written more by more than two people. I was on page two. Right. Yeah, I was going to mention. So, um, yeah. Sorry, what were you saying before? So we're going to read SCP-001. So before the tale, we're reading the SCP. This is what we had. Is it? We've read the tales. This is the SCP. What do you mean? What do you mean? You said we've read the tale. This is the SCP. Well, we've read three. T I said we had three tales and SCP. We've read three tales. Now it's the SCP. Oh, I thought you meant we had four tales and an SCP. No, I did not. Say so that. I know a couple. I know something about one that Tan told me off camera. I know that there is no SCP one. There's a bunch of proposals. Yeah. So I imagine. Give me which one is his favorite and try and bias me into making that one my canon SCP-01. No, 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 no. We're, we're going to go through these gradually over the course of the uh, podcast. So this is just the, the first one is the simplest one, basically. And I bet it's written by you. Uh, this is Dr. Gear's proposal. <laughs> All right, never mind. I actually care now. Okay. And it's a short one, but I, I it, and not many people like this have this one as their favorite because it is very simple. But I like it because of that simplicity. Mm -hmm. okay. So let's go through it. All right. So, item designation number uh, 8624AR-001. Warning. Item displays aggressive and dangerous behavior. Description of item. 6 foot 5 I've tall, 97 pounds, average varies by 5 to 10 higher or lower, unknown age, gray brown skin, maybe bruising. Eye color milky blue, no hair. 
Emaciated appearance, bone and muscle structure unlike any recorded species. Legs are long and thin, ending in sharp black points. Three fingers on each hand, also ending in black points. Legs and arms are twice as long as torso. No reproductive organs, anal orifice, ears, nose or paws anywhere on body. Head is spherical, very large in proportion to body. Neck appears too thin to support head. This kind of reminds me of that Twitter art, that like that thing people made fun of horror artists for a long time ago with the giant neck. Do <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Is there an art of this thing? Uh, probably. I'll see if I can find some after we finish. All right. so, mouth extends halfway around head, no lips. 21 teeth, spaced randomly around mouth, may appear broken, rotten, or chipped. Wait, I... is this a British person? Oh, you're a cheeky fuck, aren't you? <laughs> I'm sorry. Eye is a large, ball-shaped, milky blue sphere, presumably kept in the head or throat. Appears to roll into the mouth when mouth is open. Has oh, no pupil or iris. Detail of current containment. Room is lead-lined and kept lit with flood lights. Temperature kept at 98 degrees with 100% humidity. Room is sealed with a reinforced steel blast door. Outer area patrolled by guards with high-powered strobes. Anyone entering the containment room should carry a strobe and wear welding goggles. Any person attempting to remove the item or enter without authorization is to be shot on sight. So real quick, how many OO1 proposals are there? Are there like over 100? Uh, there is... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven... There's like 30 at a glance here about. Then maybe, unless most of them are a lot longer than this, we should do one at the end of each episode or something. They're usually quite long. Okay, never mind then. This is an exception. <laughs> okay. Okay, so report. Recovered in Guamala earlier this week. Uh, first reported as a demon seen by several boys on a rural road. Appeared to be sick or injured. Boys reported seeing the creature panting and jerking its legs. Creature then it raised its head and exposed its eye. Boys ran home, reporting to local law enforcement. Several reports of horrible roaring or shrieks from locals over several days. Twelve people admitted to local hospital with severe radiation poisoning, and seven reported missing. Recovery team assembled, headed by General McCoy, and dispatched from base ADRX-19 AS, Elon Musk's kid. Hey, nice. Reports... <laughs> Wait, I just got that! <laughs> Give me a sec. Reports to overseers from recovery team after standing containment failure led to additional containment protocols developed by Dr. Herman Ketter. Dr. Kessler. Oh, so that's what Ketters are named yeah. after. So the implication, timeout, with 001 is that uh, with all these proposals, that was the first SCP ever found, right? It depends on the proposal. This one okay. this one is basically just the first SCP. Not... Right, so not so not that it's so extreme or overpowered like some of these proposals I imagine are. And and, and I guess it's implying that Ketter, Dr. Ketter is where the term Ketter came from. Yeah, so this okay. one is literally just the first one. Okay. So Dr. Ketter was unfortunately killed in initial testing, after which creature was moved to ADRX-19. 19, though, could then maybe become Site-19 later on. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Creature appears to be able to create micro-singularities, using them both as a form of teleportation and defense. These singularities disappear several seconds after creation, but emit massive amounts of radiation and cause severe damage to the surrounding area. The eye appears to control these manifestations, as always should add the eye exposed when creating a singularity. Omnivorous, it views humans as a food supply. Creature shows signs of extreme fear and sickness in the presence of high heat, humidity, or bright or flashing lights. Creature appears unable to teleport through lead, and cannot form singularities when in its sick state. When well, it is an extremely fast and cunning being, and has killed several recovery agents with both its singularities and claws. Emits occasional shrieking sounds, or attempts to communicate have failed. 
Addendum. Additional objects reported. Overseers considering conversion of ADRX-19 to a dedicated recovery and containment facility. <laughs> Reports may need censorship for reasons of security. Okay, so here... I think this uh, article is low-key extremely clever. Mm. So when we were first going through it, um, my thoughts are like, wow, Dr. Gears is normally very methodical, documentation-like, you know, very split. But this one seems not even just for Dr. Gears, but compared to most SCPs, seems a lot more informal. Um, and then a couple things clicked for me. You mentioned that this was the first ever caught SCP. They mentioned, you know, ADRX-19 will be converted into a site. And um, the report is a lot less detailed and, like, um, straightforward than a lot of the documents are where it's a lot more methodical in nature. Mm -hmm. So it's low-key clever because this reads like the first report ever written by a newly formed scientific organization. They don't have all their terms down. They don't have their sort of scientific method or testing methods. They don't have even the necessarily contained procedures. It's just, oh, how we're keeping it. Oh, these are the various things we've kind of tested. Like, they don't have the facilities and equipment for the kinds of things they do nowadays. This reads like like they're brand new at what they're doing. This is the right, first yeah. time they've tried it. And I think that's what makes this low-key clever, is because, once again, Dr. Gears has proven he can write very scientific-sounding and very official documentation. He can write great subjective prose. And now he can even dumb it down in a way where he's not writing bad, but he's writing in a way that specifically gives the impression of someone who's new at what they're doing. And I think that makes this way more of a standout than a lot of people probably give it credit for. Yeah. I would agree um, with you entirely, though. I would give it probably an 8.5 out of 10. Very nice. Very nice. So, yeah, yeah, this was very good. I really enjoyed the Tales. I think I like the SCPs a bit more. Like, I'd still love to do another Tales episode in the future. Maybe we can do one, like, I know this was episode 11, but maybe like every 10 episodes or something, I don't know, or five episodes. Yeah, um, I like the tales, but I think I like SCP slightly more because it's a little easier for me to like interact with my thoughts and we can get a little more conversation going. But I do think every now and then having a tale episode, or maybe even just once a month doing one. Maybe, yeah. Uh, like the first, uh, the first Saturday of every month, uh, I say, is this, is, the, is this the first Saturday of the month? It is no, Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, it's going to be the second. But, like, something like that might be cool. Well, I said um, that was I'll... completely irrelevant. Maybe the second Saturday of every month, then. Uh, but I kind of like that idea of having, like, a like a dedicated Tales Day, but not making it one of our regular things. Yeah, I like that, too. And in every Tales Day, we should definitely go over an 001 proposal. This was very fun. Uh, Dr. Gears, uh, if you're listening to this, please be on our podcast. Please DM Tan. Shameless, shameless. So Tan, uh, do we have anything else we want to talk about about our lives? Any projects you want to shill? Any other SCP notes you want to make, etc. Before we close out, uh, I've started. Uh, I've very recently started writing a uh, novel, actually. Um, really? Are you continuing with um, Ethereal Space, or is this another new one? This entirely new thing. I'm going to try you... and get all done in my own time, rather than like fix myself on a schedule. Okay, so you're going to finish this one? Uh, yeah, hopefully. I, I, I say that, I don't mean to bore you too much, but I legitimately love your writing, so I was very disappointed when Ethereal Space got discontinued. I want to read a full Tanhony book with an ending. Right, I'll very do my bad. best to make that happen for you. And if you don't, I will kill you. Well, uh, If any FBI are listening, that was a joke. Uh, yeah, so please don't arrest Darnell unless you can provide an FBI agent who can be my co-host. Oh, 
no. All right. Well, that's interesting. What's your book going to be called? What's it going to be about? Uh, I haven't got. A, well, I've got a working title for it. Yeah, but I don't want to talk about it too much until I've got sort of the ball rolling properly on that. But I got what you mean. If I say it's happening now, I do have some sort of obligation to follow through. Nice. And uh, as usual, for anyone listening, uh, comment, let us know what you thought about these tales, anything we might have missed, some of your own opinions, perhaps even tale suggestions for the next tales episode, if we do this the second Wednesday or Saturday of every month. Because I remember with the SCP suggestions, we have to wait on a lot of them because Tan wants to go in order, but with tales, that doesn't really matter as much, right? Right, yeah. Usually, usually I would say if it is related to a specific SCP, usually I would prefer to have, have right. that context with us. Yeah, that, so that would help. So maybe tales based on the SCPs we've already read or tales that are a little bit more uh, put away from any SCP in particular. But yeah, feel free to listen to what you thought. Give us your suggestions. And of course, you can find us on Twitter. You can find Tanhony at Anthony Shacklid. You can find me at Culver Curtis. Yeah. So I hope you enjoyed everyone. And that's it from us today. So next few episodes, we might double back onto uh, season one a little bit. Just to get some of the no, big ones. we only just got to season two. <laughs> There's some cool stuff we didn't quite get to, though. We're getting sort of double dip. All right, guys. I guess we're doubling back to season one. Bye. Bye.